0: Coming up next, the booketing reads or discusses or puts on trial Harry Potter movies versus Harry Potter books. This is Nathan and You're humble and obedient. Judge, hey, trial of the century, Brandon. All right, guys, this is this is, this is a rare Booketing sequel episode. Actually, uh, almost every episode is a sequel because we do bo- little batches of episodes about things.
1: Yeah, we only have twelve original episodes a year. Yep. exactly. Yeah, great, 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 Nathan. More yeah. or less. <laughs> Great <laughs> way to forget the format of our show.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Brandon. This is a this is what well, this is though specifically is a sequel to an episode from many months ago. Mm-hmm. called the trial of Ready Player One or something like that, where uh,
1: it's called Ready Player One on trial.
0: Ready Player One on trial. And what happened in that episode is uh, Brandon somehow conceded the fact that Leo Tolstoy sucked.
1: <laughs> I did. Yeah. Which is false
0: yeah oh it's very false it was false but in an extreme display of ignoble miserable failure yes brandon let jake make that asinine argument (laughs) it's i I, successfully i paraded out some pretty stupid arguments early on and walked right into that trap walked into the trap where and some for some reason jake felt it was incumbent upon him to prove in a discussion about ready player one that tolstoy sucked and you need to go back and
1: listen to it It all makes sense
0: in context it does make sense in context
1: i I had to make a case for ernest klein he brought in tolstoy and i used it to my advantage
0: anyway many many people told me that was their favorite episode other people told me they had to turn it off because it was so awkward and terrible a lot of diverse interesting reactions to this episode we're doing it again but we're doing it again we're putting another thing on trial i will be your humble obedient judge i'm wearing my wig i'm wearing my robe to make things a little bit more complicated, we are actually putting people that believe basically the positions in, that in they're in this case, yeah. In, their, in this case. Now they might that wasn't that
1: wasn't quite true. That wasn't true at all actually with Ready Player One. No, I it think wasn't. Brandon and I were both in basic real life agreement right, about, yes, we all were.
0: about that, but we assumed
1: opposite points
0: of view. But in this case, Brandon, this is our final Harry Potter. This is our final Harry Potter episode, by the way. Brandon the boy who lived. Brandon is I'm going the to be the boy who lived. You're the boy who lived. Oh. All three of us, arguably, are boys who lived heretofore. Brandon is going to be arguing that the movies of Harry Potter are better. This is something, Brandon, that you actually believe, true or false. It
2: is something I believe, except with one exception.
0: With one exception. Yep. Yeah. Jake is going to be arguing that the books of Harry Potter are better than the movies. This is something you actually believe IRL, Jake. True. And I am going to try and be... An impartial judge, although I'm just going to put my cards on the table. I completely and 100% support Brandon and yes. hope that he wins. And if he starts failing, then we'll see how impartial I can be or am. But Not uh, very. I will try and be impartial. So, opening <laughs> statements, gentlemen. Chong-chong, law and order, music. Okay. Who goes first? Um, I go first? Am I the prosecutor? I don't know who the prosecutor Do is. I have to take on a person? Okay, ladies and gentlemen of... We should decide. The only thing we have are monkeys on the wall. Can I pretend they're the jury? Yeah. Okay. Brandon, I'm sorry. You're the prosecutor. You're prosecuting the books. Well, no, that doesn't work. You just both have to be defense attorneys, I think. It's like, yeah, divorce court. Yeah, it's divorce court. Family court. Yeah, family court.
2: Family court. Here we go. So today I'm uh, representing my client. Is that what they call? Sure, yeah. They're people. My client, the book, the, uh, no, yikes. The movie (laughs) adaptations (laughs) of the books. By J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. also known as Harry Potter. Right. I don't need, need to name all the movies in the series. There are eight of them. Mm-hmm. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I will be arguing that they are superior artistic achievements. Maybe I should step back there. They are superior achievements. <laughs> I'm not going to add the word artistic. <laughs> Nathan's already looking worried. <laughs> to the books. And largely, my case is that... They preserve everything that's good about the books, eliminate everything that's bad about the books, and where the books fail, they actually improve them. And so that will be the case that I will make today.
0: Very interesting. I'll be interested to see your evidence counsel. (sighs) Mr. Menzel, your opening statement.
1: I don't deny that there are certain places where the movies improve and build upon the books. I think that that's true. However, the genius of J.K. Rowling is in her storytelling. And the movies can't begin to touch not just her world building, but her uh, genius when it comes to telling, crafting, weaving a story and executing a plot. And what they end up doing is flattening and simplifying everything into a pretty cartoonish bit of storytelling It's what they have to do. I don't fault them for that. I think they're good movies, but but they basically everything that Rowling is super strong at, they spoil and undercut. And and there are places where they improve on the on the books as uh, but but as a whole the books are much better than the movies because you simply can't do in the movies what she does during the books. You can't do justice to an 800-page novel in a 2-hour long movie, especially when the whole genius and beauty of the book is bound up in its plot and storytelling. Are you making notes over there?
2: I am. Isn't that what a good lawyer does? You're, you're I'm trying to learn. That's what a good stenographer does. <laughs>
1: All right. I got my pen and paper then.
2: All right. I actually kind of have three points based on what he just said. So he references that the movies can't get at what Rowling was good at. They um, can't represent fairly the strengths that she exhibits in the novels. Mm-hmm. I would actually say if we look at what are Rowling's strengths, they are character. They are story and they are atmosphere. The movies preserve character by having strong actors represent the characters. Mm -hmm. And I will present Severus Snape as being one of the strongest examples of this. So he he actually argues that the movies turn her strengths into cartoons. Mm -hmm. Those were his words. However, in the books... Severus Snape, as he is represented in the first three books, is a cartoon. In fact, I believe that we have all agreed to this in the past episodes of The Bookening. In one of the most awful moments in the books, Severus Snape is bragging about how he is going to become a member of the Order of Merlin because he has caught Sirius Black. And they also, when they're bringing him out of the Whomping Willow, they're bumping his head on the top of the tunnels. The movies lose all of this because the movies had Alan Rickman performing the role and being Severus Snape and giving Severus Snape the dignity that Severus Snape would need to have later on in the series. And that brings up my second point, and that none of J.K. Rowling's genius is lost in the movies because she had unprecedented control over the movies. She got to fine-tune the screenplay, and this was like her second shot at improving what she had already admitted with the fifth books especially were weaknesses. And so the fifth movie's because she was able to eliminate what was weak about those. She saw the movies as an opportunity to improve what she had already done. So J.K. Rowling herself sees the movies as a platform for improving her story. Finally, just to kind of add to the points I've been making, we have the character of Dumbledore, who, as we have talked about numerous times, is a very weak character in the books. The movies turn Dumbledore into the sort of mentor figure he needs to be For Harry, at least attempt to. It's very similar to the failure that the movie of Ready Player One made in seeing the weakness of Ready Player One and then trying to improve upon it. At least they're failing in the right direction. Well, they failed in the right direction with Albus Dumbledore because... They cut out all the nonsense stuff, all the scenes where he's weak with Harry. They actually give him some authority and weight when he comes in and he grabs Harry and yells at him, for example. Or they cut out the scene where Harry would dare mess with Dumbledore's stuff in his office by tearing it up. They just completely eliminate those scenes, and so they actually give Dumbledore gravitas. And so we see with Severus Snape and Dumbledore, two major characters who the series revolve around are given dignity in the movies that they don't have in the books. And so that's the evidence that I bring to start with. Jake, would you like to
0: respond?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. First of all I wanna to respond to your argument that uh, or your assertion rather that Rowling's control over the films is somehow meant as a plant, the place of the books in the way in her storytelling that, that somehow somehow because she had control over the films, that they're the final authoritative version of the stories that she's trying to tell. I think that's absolute garbage. I think she wanted control because she wanted to preserve as much of what was good about her books as she could while changing mediums, mediums that impose limitations on storytelling. She wanted to be a part of making those decisions. It's very different than saying that these are uh, <clears throat> necessarily improvements on the books themselves. Although I grant that the book book five in the movie, the, the fifth movie is superior to the book. I think that there are places where you can make those Make those arguments, but I just think that that's a bunk argument to make. I think that when an author has a, a book that in a book series that she really cares about and has uh, the ability to leverage for control over how it's sold on screen, you should take seriously how it's sold on screen. That doesn't mean that intrinsically uh, the, the the screen adaptations are superior or more authoritative or even improvements. They are. Just a different way of telling the story. Secondly, you said atmosphere and story were the were, were were places where the movies improved. Then you failed to substantiate that. And what you basically said was Snape is better because of Alan Rickman, and Dumbledore is better because Dumbledore in the books sucked. Agreed. I agree with that. I grant you that, and I think that those are minor aspects.
2: But they sound like improvements to me.
1: I didn't say that there weren't improvements. I again, I grant you improvements on characterization. I think that Alan Rickman brought something to the person of Snape that was an improvement over how she conceived of him, and she adapted in the telling of her stories. I think that's true with a number of of tertiary characters outside of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, um, in particular. And I think that that's great. I think that that's the that is a place where uh, the movies do are superior. To the books, the tertiary characters because they did an excellent job in casting, brought a life, and dimension and gravity to characters like Snape that that, that were that were needed and impacted the books in a positive way. So I grant all of that, but I think that that's, I think that's minor stuff. I think that's small stuff compared to the big picture. I think that when we're talking about books versus movies, there are a couple of things that we need to weigh. I think we both agree that one of the places where Rowling is strongest is her storytelling. That includes her world building, that includes the atmospherics, and it includes her plotting. It includes characterization. But part of what is so fun about the books is that what you get, especially, you know, the first three books do a really nice, tight, tidy job of this. As the books mature, things change and they... and they develop differently but she comes back to in book the same kinds of things in book 6 and 7 where she is she is weaving a a web she's playing chess she's throwing all the pieces on the chessboard she's creating and building this world and you're living in Hogwarts for a whole year and there are all of these pieces on the chessboard that are being laid out for how everything's going to uh, play out over the course of the, uh, any given book and um, at her best, there are so many pieces being laid out on the chessboard that it's really hard to to guess. You know what details are going to come back and make a difference later. It's not always true. Some things are obvious, but part of the fun of reading a Harry Potter book is you get to live in Hogwarts and just absorb all of the de- all of these details and all of these things, and you get to see it all sort of play out and come together. And it's a rich world that exists in your imagination and you're along for the ride and you're not, it's really hard to figure out how it's all going to come together. Uh, and, and that's really neat. When you come to the movies, that imagination's taken away. The ability to spend, you know, hours upon hours living in the world is taken away from you because you're in there for two hours. It's imagined for you on screen and the director's change, So it gets tweaked. And, you know, it's the Hogwarts of of the third movie is different from the Hogwarts of the first two. And, you know, that's just weird. And then the plot intricacies all have to be incredibly flattened. And so it goes from these big intricate plots where all of these little details are just sort of woven together to create this big picture into this very flat, like, obvious (laughs) setup and payoff kind of thing that you have to have in movies. And... That's just, it's, it, they do a good job of making them work as films and cutting out a whole lot of details, but it's just, it's not the same. It's not the same. What, what's cool about Hogwarts is you get to live at Hogwarts. You get to inhabit that world with Harry. You get to walk through a year of Harry and his friends dealing with being in school. And especially if you're a school child, that's a magical, fun experience, and the movies rob you of that, and they rob you of the beauty of and genius of Rowling's plot devices. And so, yeah, there are things that the movie improves on, but on the whole, no way. I respond to that now? Or do I bring more witnesses out? I don't know.
2: <laughs> so your whole argument is, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> so your argument is mainly, well, you, you, you pointed out that I didn't explain what I meant by improvements, basically. Um, you mentioned atmosphere and story.
1: So You mentioned atmosphere and story, then you said nothing about it and focused in on well, uh, our, okay. character.
2: Well, the atmosphere of the movies comes from two different directions. One, the amazing set designs, which actually, instead of... Yeah, it's as she's not. I would actually argue that one of Rowling's weaknesses is her descriptions, and this does come through with Snape in the sense that even in books six and seven, which I'm in the middle of seven now, she's still not quite good at giving you the Snape that Alan Rickman gives you. You still don't have the dignity that Snape needs to have, and the um, pathos and the um, tragedy of his story. You just don't have it. He's still sneering. He's still greasy-haired. He's still leering and all these things. And maybe it's through Harry's eyes, but you don't quite get the sense that it is always just through Harry's eyes. And the same thing with Dumbledore as well. She tries to give you that emotional moment where he's like, oh, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I'm here with you, Harry. But it doesn't quite have the payoff. There's some unevenness there. So where they with the movies, you have, I, I would argue, for the atmosphere, you have the actual beautiful set design where you know what it is to be in Hogwarts. It's amazing that first time you go down the uh, channel and you see the castle in the first movie. And on top of that, you have the score. And that score adds a whole lot to the movies to give you the feeling of being in that world. And then you also have the amazing costume designs, the character designs, everything that you get to see on screen and actually see it. Whereas a a writer who had more ability to make you see these things, more skill with their language, the movies improve upon that. True, false...
1: Uh you saw the movies before you read the books? True. Okay, so you didn't really give her a chance.
2: I've given her a chance this time. I've actually enjoyed the books.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that you have. But the books are already colored by your movie watching experience. And most so most likely
2: some, yeah. Huh? What'd you say? Yeah, most yeah. Most likely they would be, uh, some.
1: Well, I had no problem imagining Hogwarts and I came to it without having watched a movie. I had no problem But what in, did you think in, of the way they imagined it in the movie? I thought it was nice. It did you was, think that they kind of got her places vision where it was different than what I imagined?
2: But you imagined that with her unprecedented control over these films, she had a say in every every way they shaped the look of the thing, right? You got to imagine she did. I mean, even down. Okay, to, but but to like the way the hall was set up,
1: the way Dumbledore looked. Are you talking about? Uh, movie so I'm saying more that, complex that it's not like she got to, or was even capable of set design and I mean she, she I'm sure she gave feedback Well, here, and, um, and, and, I was and, listening
2: I think it was one of the podcasts you recommended even like even now when they're building these other worlds like at Universal this, Studios yeah. she like had a final say in the taste of butterbeer right she has that amount of control over her world she even gets to say what butterbeer tastes like so she she was watching these movies and she was looking at the sets I imagine I mean I don't know I can't uh, say that for certain but so you have that and then also with the story I would argue that a lot of the glaring inconsistencies in the story, such as the fact that we don't quite know whether or not she really meant the Horcruxes early on in the series. And even the fact that, you know, are you really supposed to believe that the Horcruxes would be this easy to find? That that they would just kind of, it would almost be like, here's Dracula hiding in, what were they? The coffins in the city? And you're just going to go find each coffin in the city. Oh yeah, the, right? that's, what, actually that's, Dracula, yeah. what actually happens in Dracula. What actually happens in Dracula. Like, is it really going to be that simple? The movie's, are able to, because they're shorter, brush over some of the inconsistencies even even in the stories. Because she is really good at the plot. I agree with that. But she also sometimes, because she focuses on plot so much, it also becomes a big weakness with her as well. And the movies that are also able to sweep out some of the parts of the, like the uh, spew, the thing for elves, like the stuff that is just ancillary to the story and doesn't really add to anything. And of course... Just to, just guessing the our counter argument that to that would be well to someone who really loves Hogwarts that just adds you know they want that sort of stuff right not they want not, not just
1: that you want all of those details if you really love Hogwarts even the dumb ones mm-hmm. um, because you're just happy to live in the world but also because uh, with those uh, tertiary incidental details being swept out you have all of these great wonderful details in Plot intricacies uh, taken out. Consider consider Azkaban. Good movie, good book. But think of all of the things that happen in Azkaban with with the Marauders map, with Professor Lupin, all of the things that happen behind the scenes that just sort of get really flattened out in the course of that movie. Lupin's not as awesome in the movie as he is in the book. Things that happen with Sirius Black and how that plays out in the end. Um, and it, it just doesn't, it's just not as fun or exciting or as emotionally compelling well, as oddly it enough, is in
2: the book. Oddly enough, I think that Sirius in the movies is more compelling simply because he gets less time. She kind of, um, ruins Sirius by having him more than he should be in the books. In it, book. He, books, whatever. his in, in, in books book four five. and five? He turns into kind of a whiny.
1: In book five, he has, in book five, he's less likable.
2: Yep. That's true. But the movies, again, the point being that the movies smartly cut things that don't need to be there.
1: But but if all we're arguing is that order the movie is better than order the book, then we just agree. Order the book is terrible. It's the worst of all of them. And if your case basically hinges on order, then I don't think it's a very strong case.
2: No, it would hinge on one, two, three, four, five, and seven.
1: So you really think that the first two movies, like Chamber... Is better than the book. I definitely think that the first movie is better than the book. So you think you think Sorcer- Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets are better than are both better movies than books? Because Chamber of Secrets is a terrible movie.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm giving Brendan the thumbs up now, folks. Well,
1: can I say something off, Mike? <laughs> yeah, you you've, or we're were recall you we'll, we'll, recall we'll that you we'll approach the bench in a minute. You recall that you ranked books one through one and two, I think, at number three or four.
2: And is starting to turn into his old self. For the purposes of this argument, yes, one and two are better than the movies. The movies are better than the books. Here's how one is better than the book. It actually cuts out stuff that doesn't need to be there. Again, it's back to this smart editing. I think that the directors or the editors... So
1: you're a fan of Christopher Columbus and wish he had kept the whole series.
2: No, I don't wish... I'm glad that she moved to other directors. Amazing. But I think he did fine with those first two movies. Those first two movies, actually, I mean... That's kind of a bad place to go because those first two movies are fairly faithful to the books. They're seen as being good gateways into Harry Potter because they're so faithful to the books. And they, make
1: with, the, they make the super fans happy because they, because they're faithful to they the books. They do try to be faithful to details, mm-hmm. but that's why they fail as movies. You can't encapsulate what's great about those books in a movies, and you have to make decisions to. And they made me interested.
0: I have to say, if I can, yeah. uh, I'm going to, what's the opposite of the bench? Where are you guys? You jump in. <laughs> what Jumping what are
1: you, into the fray.
0: We're on the floor. Yeah, okay. I'm going to approach the floor here. Yeah. I really, like, I really, really, really enjoyed those first two movies. I mean, I actually, I get what you're doing, Jake, with your argument, but my honest feelings at the time, I haven't seen those movies for years, but those first two, but I honestly found them to be really compelling, really engaging. They were kind of vanilla and Christopher Columbus-ish, you know. They were obviously children's movies. But given that, once you'd sort of gotten over that hump, it was like, this is just a great story.
1: I was really disappointed by the first two movies. And I was really excited about the movies and about uh, your guys' arguments that the movies were better than the books. And it wasn't until the third movie that I thought, okay, maybe I should just, Live with this and let and Really give these movies a chance. I think the third movie was the first movie where they were basically reimagined. I mean, retconned Hogwarts. Right. That and- I was like, okay, I I I like this movie. I loved Azkaban the book, and I like this movie. They each have their own merits and virtues. They're not the same thing. That's okay. Mm-hmm. So I thought the first two movies fell short of doing the books justice and also fell short of being good movies.
0: Well, I don't know how to argue. That's just a matter of taste. I I really enjoyed those <laughs> movies when they I, I saw yeah, the we've... first two and it's just like, this is great. This is, I'm completely but absorbed. In,
1: but in, in the case of both of you, you hadn't read the books first. And I, part of my case depends on the fact that actually she gives you a richer and cooler world in those books to the untainted imagination than the movies give you.
2: Well, in, and, that would be impossible for us to.
0: Well, I know, that's part of, you know, the difficulty of So you're just asserting without really having any evidence that we are incapable of judging because we saw the we we saw the books first, so our opinions actually don't matter. Or we <laughs> we saw the movies first. I say fair.
2: The first book has a lot of weaknesses that the movie does improve. One of the strangest cases is the Dursleys. The book is very weak in the first opening chapter. I think I made this point before, and I stand by that. I don't like the first open. I don't like the way the series opens. However, in the books... I, I
1: completely disagree with you. If what you mean is that the Dursleys don't feel like a horrible, oppressing fam- oppressive no, family... No, what I mean is make, it feels like an uns... The only point is to make... What I, what I
2: mean is it's, it feels like an unskilled or at least a new writer who doesn't know what they're doing starting out trying to figure out this world they're writing and nobody ever told them to go back and edit that first chapter. In the movie she finally got a chance to go back and edit it, you know, you start with the Dursleys, but you don't get the whole silliness of Vernon driving down the street and seeing all these things out in the open when the muggle, when the magical world tries the whole series to try so to make it where no muggle would ever know that they even exist. There's just a whole lot of absurdity in that first chapter that you realize she doesn't she didn't know what she was doing yet. Well, and the movie, she... the movie gets rid of that. And also, then you get the whole silliness of you're supposed to believe that they think that why why not just have the mirror of Erised? Because all those other things are just silly. And in the movie, they're kind of short, but in the books, they're drawn out. And then you get like a couple more, even. And so again, the movie, and it gets to improve the book by being a shorter medium, you still get the wonder of the world, you still get Hogwarts, you still get the candles floating over the dining hall, you still get Dumbledore, you still get all the, you still get Wingardium Leviosa, you get the Quidditch matches, you get everything that makes it a rich and vibrant and wonderful world, and you actually get to see it. You actually get good actors to present it to you, you get Severus Snape, who is actually presented with some sense of the Severus Snape that he will be later in the series, and bingo. It's not, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I remember going and seeing them. That's, that's what made me realize that maybe these weren't just childish things after all that were beneath my, because we, I went to see it in the theater and then we went to see Chamber of Secrets and that's actually one situation where I think I like Chamber of Secrets' book better than the movie. I, I still like Chamber of Secrets, the movie, but I do think that that book and book six are the two that beat the movie because I actually really enjoyed Chamber of Secrets'
1: book. I thought it was good. I think...
2: Um, I think it was her coming back and doing what she failed to do in book one.
1: I think, I think movies four and five, and certainly five, are the only movies that you can really justifiably argue are better than the books.
2: I think three is better than the book.
1: I don't. I don't think three is better than the book. I think three is a good movie, but I think yeah. that... Three is also a really good book. I think Three is where you have
2: a good director finally seeing what she's doing, and she's probably excited because she gets to work with a good director. It's
1: certainly the most pivotal movie, just in terms of, like, this movie series does not survive and does not succeed without Three doing what it did, both coming off of the how terrible Chamber of Secrets the movie was, and just where she needed to take the whole series. I mean, three it it grows up, and as a as a movie, like the the world grows up, finds its footing and makes its decisions. I'm happy for the uh, with the decisions that were made for the sake of that movie. You can tell
2: why she wanted him to stay on as director for the next movies. Yeah. So
1: book seven, kind of kind of a masterpiece. Like, and I don't think. The two-parter does justice to
2: those two movies. Are really good. That first, I would argue that that first, the first movie.
1: I'm not saying the movies are bad. I think they are. No, really but my, good. my, I, I would argue that the first
2: movie of those two movies is better than anything she did. Yeah, I really think so too. That that was like whatever she did in book seven was kind of culminated in. It's just the isolation they feel trying to pursue these things, and you get a sense of the danger they're in. And the time that passes,
0: the scene where they yeah. dance, all the... its a lot all of beauty. The just... There's
2: actual beauty in that movie. Yeah,
0: it's, Yeah. You just feel like this is what it would actually be like to be in the woods with your friends uh, hiding out during some... Alone and terrified. Yeah.
1: yeah. The movies don't do that? Or the books don't do that? No, the books do that.
0: Not as well as the movie, though. I just felt it in the yeah. movie. I mean, that's just
2: my basic argument, is that the movies aren't necessarily... And I'm not arguing. really this, okay. arguing is that you So I'm like, not
1: arguing that the books are bad. Well, no, and I'm not arguing that the movies are bad. But what I keep hearing you guys argue is that you really like the cast of the movies a lot.
2: And I like... No, I mean, I like the directing of the um, third movie. I like the way that the director puts the movie together. Yeah, I mean, I like the cast.
1: Well, you keep coming back to Alan Rickman. And where you were just about to go or were really touching on was really liking Radcliffe and...
0: Well, we Watson. like the feeling of the isolation. That's a directorial. Yeah, it's the atmosphere as much as anything. It's the shadows she in Hogwarts. You all of that. With her terrible prose. I mean, I don't know. It's just the movies are doing something more skilled than what she does with her words. And I did read most of the later books before I saw the movies. For what that's worth, I'm abandoning the trial format here. Let's just let's just discuss this because it's f- more fun to discuss it. Half Blood Prince is good. The the book. The book. I, it's better than the movie. That's the number one. That's maybe the number one thing. One that I've heard people say. And I don't the quite book really short changes it, and I just the movie don't does you mean? Or, or yeah, the movie really short changes it, and that that may be true. I, I think for I think it's
2: because in that book she kind of caught fire, and for a minute. She had it all figured out. So whoever the characters were in the book movies, and the atmosphere that she was missing in the earlier books,
0: came to life in that book. And I it's, think
1: that's true of both six and seven. Yeah,
2: I'm
0: I'm only like
2: a third of the way through seven again. So
0: I think the, the the my favorite Harry Potter movie is seven part one. Yeah, and that movie to me really has a feeling. It reminds me a little bit of For Whom the Bell Tolls. Just that idea of being in the countryside, uh, where. Away, you know, just beyond the horizon, this awful war is going and these bad guys are after you. And you're just, it's kind of that last stand kind of melancholy. There's something really uh, just sad that I like about that movie. And I'm not criticizing the book. Maybe, maybe this whole discussion has been us just revolving around taste. I mean, maybe it's just like we like the movies because we like the movies, and Jake's likes the books because he likes the books, and there's no accounting for it. Maybe that's maybe that's all we're gonna find out. I don't know, but
2: I do know that the mo- the second of the Deathly Hallows movies, short changes a lot of any of the good that comes out of Harry's conflict.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. And Dumbledore's death, or uh, not Dumbledore, Voldemort's death is dumb in the book, in the movie. And I'm not gonna say there aren't things that don't get shortchanged in those. Books. I think what you said about atmosphere really puts a finger on it for me. The world of the movies, particularly four through seven or and three, I guess, as well, is a world that I'd really like to live in more so than the Chris Columbus or the J.K. Rowling world. And maybe that's unfair because I know she's responsible for a lot of what I like, but the movies really just kind of codified it or put their finger on it or just made me feel it in a way that improved it. The books didn't. Yeah. I felt
1: let down and disappointed.
0: By all the movies. You could also argue, though, if you want to argue that we saw the, like in the initial ones, we saw the movies first. You could also argue you read the books and then you immediately watched the movies, which didn't do the movies any favors because everything was really fresh. That's a hard way to watch a movie.
1: It cuts both ways, but I feel like it cuts stronger in my direction. Like you have the images of the movies in your head coming to the book. That's different than... Because you got to imagine them all without imagining
2: them through the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. And for, I you know maybe I did more work than in my imagination than the average reader would. There, I mean, the, what's
2: the point of this podcast though if that's not something we are okay with? What doing work in your imagination without having a movie? Yeah, no,
1: this is something that is, I think, a, a real. Difference in taste. I don't know how much it's the difference between you and me. It is a difference between Jake and Brandon, you mean? But it's definitely a difference between me and you
0: Jake and Nathan. Jake and Nathan,
1: yeah. Sorry, listener. But um, they should be here.
0: Mm-hmm. They should be here. They should see Why me pointing be, with, with my with, pen, with your pen, waving yeah. my pen around. Yeah. Which is,
1: well, yeah, Chandler's a good a good foil for this sort of thing where I appreciate I uh, Chandler's prose. I appreciate his descriptions. They're fun. They're cool. I don't luxuriate in them like you do. I think that was your word. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. And I don't know if it's just that I care less about the descriptions or if I'm just happy filling in the blanks myself. But I think that's just me. Like Rolling is way more my style of like, I like her better than I like Raymond Chandler. Mm-hmm. And um, to me,
0: that's like... Sacrilege. Sacrilege, yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: I mean, she's an awful, ten-eared well, writer. She's just bad. It's annoying. Honest, though, yeah. in Jake's favor, it means that he would have had a harder time
2: being suckered by Cormac McCarthy as a teenage boy.
0: Yeah. I, I don't say there's not virtue. I mean, I really think maybe what we are talking about is just taste.
1: Well, it, if we look at, like, the last year stylistically, the authors I'm going to gravitate towards are going to be E.B. White. Mm -hmm. But I like E.B. White, too. I know you do. I I mean, I love E.B. White. Yeah, I know you do. But he doesn't luxuriate in the description, yet he is amazing at it. Right. Well, White's... And it's, it's the difference between White being... It's his simplicity and his almost minimalism, you know, and how he... Uh, gives you that, that one little or two little details that, as you like to say, that tell. In a sense, Tolstoy's in that camp. Yeah. I think. That's just
0: more like... But Rawlings not in which that camp because she decided to be in that camp. She's in that camp because she's not capable of doing anything else. Or she's too lazy. Or she's too... <clears throat> well, and that's the offensive part, actually. That's the part... I
1: don't think that she can't, actually.
0: Yeah, and that's, what, that's where I just get a little and maybe annoyed. maybe
1: laziness is the wrong word but she just yes no you're put, right she's for one, lazy for one reason or another and it could be money it could be deadlines it could be whatever bad editor it might not bad even be editors. her fault she she i think she shows that she actually had in various places that she has the chops she just didn't put in yeah. the elbow grease in the half-blood prince that i mentioned the chapter
2: already is it had the disappointing moment where he says i'm glad i'm here with you harry mm-hmm. but actually it why that was even more frustrating to me was because none of the rest of anything had given me the payoff to make that matter as much as it should have. Mm-hmm. Because actually, the cave, that whole chapter, is pretty brilliantly written. Mm-hmm. It's 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 great. And so I think she had the chops. She makes you feel the danger and the risk, and you can f- see the cave and everything that yep. y- you could see that if she just had...
1: Mm, I still see my version of the cave. Yeah, and it's uh, I still see the version of the cave that's in my imagination. Yeah, like
2: I don't see the no, and I see the cave as I imagined it. Now, reading the book, I don't even remember how the movies. presented I don't either.
1: It. I don't remember the movie, um, cave.
2: but she does a good job there. And that's kind of after I read that's that. Just,
1: I just realized that when you yeah. said that.
2: I read I read that chapter and I finished, and I actually I got mad because I'm like, that was good, but then there's this one line that reminds me of how she's failed everywhere else. She didn't give me the payoff I needed
0: to make me care. So a the temple needed for that. Payoff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's when I watch those movies, what I see is not in all of them, but in a lot, in a vast, in a, in a majority of what you see when you see the, when you watch the movies, you are watching artists at the top of their craft doing their best. Alfonso Cuaron, David Yates, they are actually making the best possible movies out of the material that they're given. The cinematography is the best. The special effects are the best. The acting's the best. And that's compelling. J.K. Rowling, you're always watching. The whole time, You're it's it's frustrating. You're watching someone not doing her best. And we can talk about whose fault that is or what the net result of that is. But it's but fun. It's fun, it's and, good. And arguably, actually, I hadn't thought of this, but do you
2: think that that's what gave us the whole model for what's become like the uh, Avengers star wars model where you have a different director so we can have different visions for each movie yet all fitting within one vision was the success of harry potter having done that?
0: yeah it might have been although harry potter relaxed into david yates and he's good apparently the harry potter guy now and has been since uh rose since number four.
2: Oh, is he the only guy
0: yeah um yeah he's yeah so actually a good piece. Was that? He has Beast, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. So he's just been like J.K. Rowling's movie guy since uh, they... It might
2: be time to go to another
0: one. Yeah, but I think, yeah.
1: The first Beast was awfully tired to me. Yeah, and it felt...
0: Can you imagine if Alfonso Cuaron had done Half-Blood Prince? That would have been great. Did you guys see the interview with... Cuaron wanted to... They just... Cuaron was just at a press junket. He's got a new movie out and people were asking about Harry Potter. He said he turned it down flat, laughed in the producer's faces, essentially. And then Guillermo del Toro called him and just said... All these unprintable Spanish curse words like "You're an idiot." You need to go to the bookstore right now. You need to read these books. You need to, and so he did. He went in and he did what Guillermo del Toro said: read the books and realized, "Oh shoot, I can actually do something with this. This isn't just some dumb kid's thing."
1: The materials here in Christopher Columbus is terrible.
0: Right? Exactly. Can you imagine if Guillermo
1: del Toro had directed books? Oh, that would have been that would have
0: been something. That would Uh, have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we we're not the first ones to fantasize about that. That would have been great.
2: No, it's like people when you
0: realize you could have directed the Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been something. Oh well.
1: I, I've thought I thought earlier about going to Peter Jackson as a counter argument because for lots of people, Peter Jackson has defined the world of the Lord of the Rings and brought it to life in a way that is better than Tolkien does in the books and mm-hmm. is more realized and more fun and they would rather bring peter jackson's vision to lord of the rings and almost all of those people are people who saw the movie before they read any of the books but well, there there's a whole world of people out there that think that, that believe way. that
0: but you have to i mean now that we're not doing attorney kind of stuff i think i think i think we can i think me and brandon can be given the fact that we're intelligent adults that can like realize that we shouldn't just bring the I, I realize some of those stu- that stuff gets stuck in your head it's and really you can't hard d- for it not to. yeah it is hard for it not to it yeah is hard when I it read the to.
2: books it's hard for me not to imagine Daniel Radcliffe right. oh sure yeah no I agree with you there and even now when I go back and read the Lord of the Rings it's hard for me not to imagine you're Ian, McKellen's Ian voice McKellen no, I can imagine somebody else other than Frodo for Frodo but I don't need to imagine Elijah Wood
1: I'm not trying to pretend that you guys aren't intelligent adults that are aware that... I know you weren't. They're two separate things. I'm just... You were making your argument earlier, but...
0: Well, I mean, when I read Harry Potter, I think I actually do imagine it differently. I mean, I hear some of the actors' voices and probably see Alan Rickman's face, but also it is my Harry Potter. Just like you Lord can't of the Rings help, is yeah. my...
2: Yeah, I, don't, I I When you read the books, there's so much more to the books than there is in the movies that you can't help it imagine it differently. So, even her description of uh, Voldemort, you can't imagine Rafe finds as Voldemort because her Voldemort has red eyes. Come on. But I still, guess. like the opening, is it the opening to book seven? I think it is. The whole scene where that lady gets eaten by the snake mm-hmm. at the dinner party, that's another thing that they do better in the book. The mo- That's actually a terrifying scene. It's still really strong in the movie too, but I do think the book, I don't know what it is about the scene in the book, but it's, it's tenser. It's better. Yeah. So.
0: You can pick out. So, I mean, I... They're neck and neck. I'm. Um, I don't know what I would end up. Where I would end up. Because seven A is a better movie than anything Peter Jackson did. But seven B is a weakness. Seven B is not as good. But seven A. I mean, that whole the way they do the Deathly Hollows is really really cool in that movie. With the story. Yeah, that is great. I just seven A to me. Yeah, is,
1: that is really nice.
0: Seven A is a legit great fantasy film as far as I'm concerned. When the I hobby. argue that the movies are better, 7A is what's in my brain, actually. Yeah. I, I, I don't just think it's 7A, but 7A is the thing is the thing that I'm actually imagining. When but I, if you're
2: imagining like 7, with 7A and 7B, 7B becomes
0: a liability. Mm-hmm. And I still think 7B's fine. Uh,
2: but, but if I remember right, though, the ending, the way she writes Harry's death is better
0: in the books than it is in the movie. I don't think either one of them is all that strong, personally. But... It's fresher on your mind. The way she writes his death is better than Harry. Yeah,
1: I both. think the whole ending to the set, to to the eighth movie is substantially weaker than the book. I don't Everything know. from the Battle of Hogwarts, which is basically the whole. I mean, I I still like the movie, but yeah, and I think that there's weakness in the book, which we talked about. Right, uh, I mean, there's a weakness in the story itself,
0: but... much can't, can't help it come to a head at the ending. Yeah. Well, I guess, okay, I hope this doesn't sound high-handed. Maybe it will. I'm trying to think about how not to make it sound high-handed. Let me say the high-handed sounding version and then we can adjust I'm sure it, it will either way. Um, it's not that great. Like, if you're going to waste time on Harry Potter, why not waste two hours instead of six? It. This is basically junk food at the end of the day. And so watch a movie, get a fix, go live oh. your life. Sounds like we need to redo the trial with you putting Harry Potter on trial. Well, I'm not saying... I I like Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. I have a sweet tooth. Like I did with Ready Player One. I I, I do like it. I enjoy it. But a lot of people give a lot of time to these books. I'm not sorry. I mean, we've done seven episodes. I'm proud of them. I'm glad we did it. I like this universe. I like these stories. On the other hand, how much time do people really need to be giving Harry Potter? Is that unfair?
1: Well, I mean... All right, let's look at the books of the last year and the books coming out. Let's just look at 2018. Uh, we're going to have 800-some pages of Bleak House. I don't know. I've never read it. Short stories of Flannery O'Connor, Cormac McCarthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, not to be a snob, but I would without question put all of those things on a completely different plane than Harry Potter.
1: Fahrenheit 451.
0: Not so much Auricle that. A in Time. Nope. That was trash.
1: Charlotte's Web, Ready Player One.
0: Charlotte's Web, different plane.
1: Till We Have Faces. Oof. We've spent time on all of these books, is my point. And how many of these books can you look at that we've read in the past year or a couple of years and say, "Hey, yeah, well, why waste your time with all of that? I just don't know where you draw that line.
0: I don't know where I draw the line either, but I draw it somewhere. And Harry Potter falls into the pleasant but not particularly edifying wonderful category. I mean, would you disagree with that?
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with I'm that. Not, it's not there, junk there's food. A, there's a place for popcorn.
0: Okay, if it's popcorn, why not get two hours of popcorn instead of nine hours of popcorn?
1: Because nine hours of popcorn, nine hours of really good popcorn can be a lot of fun. And
0: But you could be reading your Bible. Okay, that's the heavy-handed version. Yeah, it um, is the
1: heavy-handed version. Why are we even doing the bookending?
0: Right, okay. <laughs> uh, am, am I really being that much of a jerk. I don't feel like I am. I feel like you're you're portraying me unfairly. Can
2: you throw me your wig?
0: What's that? Can you throw me your yeah, wig? Yeah.
2: you're <laughs> you, you're the judge now. Oh, I guess. <laughs> Sounds like you, you guys are doing a wig. replay of Ready Player One episode.
0: <laughs> I'm not attacking the cotton candy. The nuggets. foundation that upholds the bookening here. I'm just saying if with a little honest perspective on Harry Potter, it's not anything all that great. So you're saying you
1: just want to make the case that it's not worth reading?
0: No, not necessarily. But,
1: uh, well, that is the case. That That is what you just said, that people should watch the movies instead of re- waste their time on the books.
0: I'm not saying that the books are a waste of time. I'm not saying that people shouldn't read them. What I am saying is in terms of what are we going to move forward using to get our Harry Potter fix? Like, what are we going to luxuriate in after the fact? Like, okay, we've all read the books. We've all read the movies. I say everyone, I'm pro everyone reading the books and everyone reading the movies once. After that, what do you do? You go back to the books. Whatever you want. Yeah, obviously, it's a free country. People can do what they want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have I'm it, saying, I don't have a problem with anybody going back to the books and you do, I think is what Yes,
0: I actually do. I think the books are poorly written and they're kind of a waste of time. Uh, I th- and uh, I think we do just disagree about that. I think you, yeah. you you actually do like the books and this is fine. It's okay. We can still be friends. We can still <laughs> yeah, I I actually <laughs> I actually do not have respect for these as much respect for these books as you have. I think have, that's clear. Do you have any clear. respect for them? What's that? Do you have any respect for them? Yeah, I've enjoyed talking about them. I think they're fun. I think the universe is wonderful. I think she created something really special in her way, but she is not a good, or she doesn't want but, to be but a the good level,
1: writer. The level of respect that you have for them is is clear, which is... You've never actually read all of them right. and you didn't go back and reread any of them for
0: our series.
1: Right. That's fine, but that says what needs to be said about Yeah, I actually think don't the
0: think these books are all that great. I think it's I think the universe is a plus. I think the books are a, a solid C and I think the movies are a B. Um You think they're a C
2: because of the quality of the
0: writing. The quality of the writing and the and her moral sense. Like can kids read these books and it's okay? Yes. Will they be edified by them? Will they be helped by them? No, you know, not really. At the end of the day, there's nothing... Again, I'm not trying to be high handed. There's a place for popcorn i, I I'm so, happy for everyone to read these books, but as
2: Jake said, then where you guys agree is on the moral stuff, but
0: where you're disagreeing
2: is on the style, yeah, even though Jake would admit that the style is not the greatest, but yeah, Jake absolutely. doesn't put as much importance
0: behind it right right that's that's basically right yeah, but yeah. but when I see the style, I don't
2: just it's almost Which is like why I, I, you would be as we'll find out in the future episode, I have more of a tendency to still
0: defend Cormac McCarthy, yeah, I think that's true. Um, and I have no a tendency patience. to have. Much he less has patience worse. For he has worse ethics
2: by far, morality than here than J.K.
0: Rowling. Yeah, but he's also a genius of a wordsmith. Um, so for someone who wants to learn the craft, he's worth reading. I mean, to me, we are just well. I don't know. We'll see what we think about that next episode. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't think that's where we land. But people can find out. I mean, to me, I don't know. You're come? when you read Harry. When you read a poor stylist, I mean. Okay, but she's not so bad that she's actually offensively bad. When we read Steinbeck, he tries and he fails miserably. Yeah. When we read Rawling, there's a lot of places where she's just not trying, and there is something that hurts me about that or offends me, something that puts me off about that. Like I don't want to watch someone be lazy at their craft. Like it's just kind of unpleasant.
2: And the laziness is just sloppy. Yeah. It's not like bad. People should probably understand. It's not like bad grammar or she's not even, she doesn't even have like long run on sentences or like florid style. A lot of times people think of bad style as being over the top, showy, over the top, dramatic. That's not how she's bad. You should probably explain that. Yeah because that's not how she's bad at all. I can stomach it. Mm-hmm. I can put up with it because I don't see it like polluting me and making me like like bad writing or anything because I like the story that she's telling. So I've actually don't get scandalized, Nathan. I've actually enjoyed reading these this time.
0: Yeah, I would too. If I had gone, if I'd made myself go back, I would lose myself in the story. I would I would thoroughly enjoy it. But But I
2: did not enjoy them the same way that I would enjoy
0: Remains Um, of the Day was what you really like.
2: Yeah, I don't enjoy her the same way that I
0: Mm -hmm. enjoy Ishiguro. That's
2: right. I don't.
1: And she doesn't care about the same things that Ishiguro does. No, she doesn't care about the same
2: things. And Ishiguro is a good example because his morality is about as helpful as hers. Mm -hmm. His His may be a little bit more helpful, actually. But because at least he's not trying to present bad heroics to us. Yeah. He's just telling you that most people are self-deceived.
0: Within her class, though, she has to be held to some kind of a standard. And I don't know. I mean, we talked about this a lot in Chan- the Chandler episodes and why this sort of thing is personal to me. I just think when someone's writing, let's just, let's just hyperbolically call it junk, I think that someone can write great junk. I think that junk can be an art. I think that these books could have and should have been better than they are. And I'm, there's a part there's just one little part of me. I can read the book. I can lose myself in it. I can enjoy it. But there's just some part of me that's just like rejects the fact that she didn't just make them good. Like she couldn't just go all the way. Someone wasn't pushing her or she wasn't pushing herself. And it's like, no, that's not okay. These books had every opportunity to be absolute masterpieces, and I do not forgive the fact. In fact, I I think I respect her in some ways more than Jake respects her, because I give her the dignity of saying, no, you should have done better. You could have done better. And that's not a knock against you, you understand. Your facial expression. Yeah, and
1: anybody that has listened to any of these episodes know that I say the same thing, so that she could have and should have done better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jake agrees. Yeah. No i I think Jake does agree, but i'm I take it personal for some reason, and Jake yeah, doesn't. and
1: I don't take it personally. I think she made a business decision or whatever, and she chose to focus on what she wanted to focus on, yeah, and
0: I say, how dare she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what a waste of everyone's time. I mean, she could have done something great. this could have been something for the ages,
1: but said she did something. You know, what if, what if she's the kind of obsessive personality that would have never have gotten a book done if she had never chosen to just, I mean, the books, the Harry Potter books that we have are better than the Harry Potter books that we might not have had. I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think so. But you can kind of, can't you kind of just get a sense of like Steinbeck's a great example of someone who tries and fails and Mm -hmm. we on the book. Yeah. And our
1: other example of that's Bradbury. Yeah.
0: And I don't have a problem with either one of them. With her, I just, maybe I'm wrong, but I just somehow get the sense that she's not giving it everything. And that's, I just think that's too bad.
2: One is the state of writing today, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's too bad that people accept it. I think it's too bad that kids have been conditioned to not care, you know? I mean, it's the state of entertainment today in general. You can listen to how, what, is, what is this is episode 107. You can listen to 106 episodes where we argue for humility and just all that kind of stuff. Just give me one where I'm allowed to say she should have you been know, an artist.
1: Well, the modern what if the modern world makes it really hard to be an artist?
0: I think it does. So,
1: I mean, you you write for a deadline on a weekly basis and nothing that you
0: write is but Is Um, up to your own standards. No, it's not. It never is.
1: And it's because you're on a deadline and it's because...
0: But I don't get that sense with her. I get the sense that, you know, but especially in those later books, she she really could have done what she wanted. The terms were hers to dictate. And she decided to take the easy way out morally and the easy way out artistically. And she didn't really have to. I mean, I honestly think there's a sense in which I... Respect her more than anyone in this room. I res I think she could have and should have done something great. But she was too lazy to Yeah. But then she had her second chance at those movies. Yeah. And they're still not as good as they should be. No, they're not. From being honest, because they have
2: bad bones. Mm-hmm. I think we're all on the same page, Nathan, except about the movies.
0: Yeah, we're really just arguing degrees, but we're arguing like it
2: sounds. Like we need to do an episode on the experiment and criticism.
0: Yeah, that this might is be...
2: all C.S. Lewis's arguments, and they're fun to talk about. Yeah, that'd be a fun episode to do. <laughs> These things that the Booketing, haven't we haven't really talked about, but. There's also humility, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Shakespeare. Maybe we'll talk about this when we talk about Shakespeare. Yeah. This could be a, an angle we go at. Mm-hmm. There's humility in doing your craft well, right? Yeah. If there's humility in, okay, this is the talent I've been given, and now I'm going to use... I'm thinking of one of the best examples of humility and I've seen recently in a movie is Eric Liddell in Chariots of Fire. Mm-hmm. As over the top as that characterization is, I think it was a great example for my son, Elliot, who's doing cross-country right now to see, because... Eric Liddell's been given a talent to run, and he's going to use it humbly to glorify God. And that's, you can, if you're given a talent like she's been given, you've seen that she's been given a talent, and she just, she's lazy, so she can make a profit. And she's made quite the profit. Or she can fine-tune it and create something even better because she's been given that talent, and there's a responsibility that comes with that talent. That's kind of what you're arguing, right?
0: Yeah, I think so.
2: I think I think with great power comes great
0: responsibility.
2: And today, with our democratized society, culture, we all think that A, especially in the church, we're all scared of art mm-hmm. because it's Roman Catholic or whatever, right? And then B, as Americans, everybody has the equal opportunity to be a great artist. And so therefore we have to go after what's easy and that's what we're going to really praise, Right. It doesn't mean you should go out and watch Wes Anderson. No, I don't know. I think think, uh, Spielberg at his best is a great craftsman.
0: Spielberg is always, even in his worst movies, the best Spielberg he can be. Steinbeck, even in his worst novels, is the best Steinbeck he can be. Nathan in his most terrible podcast is trying, by God's grace, to be the best Nathan he can be. J.K. Rowling seems to me to have settled for not being... The best J.K. Rowling she could be. You've convinced us. I've convinced you. I don't know. I don't know what Jake's thinking. I think Jake's thinking it's late. I I know he's thinking that. We're all thinking that. Well,
1: I I think that there's a high likelihood that that's true. But I also don't want to pretend to know all the factors that are at play.
0: Well, whether it's true or not, (laughs) I mean, you're the
1: best. You're whatever you write is the best you can do within the constraints of deadlines and pressures of all the pressures of your life and right
0: and and what i'm describing know. is that her writing okay i'm not describing anything about reality i'm i'm describing a subjective experience that i've had and the subjective experience i've had is that her writing somehow makes me feel like she's not trying I don't know whether she's trying. I don't know. Maybe she's trying. Maybe she's not. Maybe it's the best she could do. Maybe it's the worst. Maybe she's cynical. Maybe she's sincere. Who knows? The fact is, her book gives me a bad, proud vibe of someone who didn't try.
2: She's convinced that her style is fine.
0: And I think actually it's not subjective. I think I can make that judgment. I think you can make that judgment. I think Brandon can make that judgment. I think people can make that judgment. And I think we're probably right. But Yeah, I'll admit, who knows? Who knows what happened and why and whose fault it was. But I I can at least, at the very least, I will say completely subjectively, my experience of those books is that they somehow make me feel like she's not trying.
1: There's no question that she's capable of better. It certainly feels like she's being lazy or not trying
0: in a way that I don't feel when I read Steinbeck or Bradbury yeah. or in a way that I hope people don't feel when they listen to our podcasts the things that we put out for Warhorn maybe they do maybe they don't I don't know but I hope mm-hmm. we're always within our constraints which are many and within our weaknesses which are many doing our best mm-hmm. and I hope that that comes across even in our dumbest failures yeah me too thanks for <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs> listening everybody what did we just so, you want your wig back <laughs> The books are great in their way. The movies are good. I don't think we've really proved anything besides that we all have opinions, I guess. You know, my grandma says. Yeah, but you can't tell our podcast listeners that if it's what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> today is written and produced by everyone executive produced by everyone and you can go to any place on twitter or instagram
2: any place
0: well specifically you should go to at warhorn media or at the bookening you okay. should go to patreon.com forward slash the bookening give us any amount of money
2: i was gonna go to the seattle zoo twitter yeah don't do that i don't think i'd find well, us there would i I mean
0: you can do that if you want to <laughs> in fact do do that <laughs> but it won't be of any value to us and
1: tweet at them and say hey my favorite podcast is recorded in a room full of monkeys
0: yeah hey, hey there's a tie-in which it is actually if people know if they've seen the stuff and
1: exotic birds that probably don't exist in real life <laughs> okay
0: that was a strange episode <laughs>
1: i think that'll be good
0: yeah probably we're not mad at each other right i'm not mad i'm not mad i'm furious